Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. The WDET Unfundraiser ends the minute that we reach the goal of $281,000. $281,000 is what we need this fall. You can help eliminate the kind of fundraising that interrupts programs like Detroit Today with fundraising efforts. All you got to do is renew your support or donate for the very first time at WDET.org. We really appreciate everybody who is helping out with this and hope that uh, pretty soon we'll get to that goal of $281,000. I want to start today's show talking about football, one of my favorite subjects. If you listen to the show, you know I am a pretty big Football fan, especially college football. My alma mater, the University of Michigan, uh, captures my attention every fall uh, as the Wolverines take the field and start a new season and sort of cast themselves toward hopefully a great uh, ending in December or January. But if you listen to the show, you also know that I've become increasingly conflicted about my fandom for football because of the mounting evidence uh, about what football and a prolonged uh, exposure to the kinds of uh, knocking around and collisions that define football, we're learning more about what that does to the brain, what that does to the brain in the short term, what that does to the brain in the long term. When the Free Press had its film festival uh, this spring, I was asked to moderate uh, a Q&A after a really moving film uh, called Requiem for a Running Back about uh, a, a woman's search for the answers to what happened to her father. Uh, because of the the football career that he had, uh, partially with the Detroit Lions. I sat there and watched on the film as they dissected this man's brain and looked at all of the things that had uh, had changed in that brain uh, because of the sport that he loved. It really, really pushed me to even a a darker space, I suppose, with my uh, relationship with football. How can I be a fan of this sport uh, knowing that people are literally putting their lives at risk to play it? How can I be a fan of the sport when there is still this debate about whether uh, whether we even ought to explore options or differences uh, that we might make in the game to make those things better? I think this is something that's pretty common in living rooms across certainly southeast Michigan and around the country right now is this sort of conflict over what we should what we should do uh, with the, the sport of football is it a, is it a game that we can continue uh, to let kids play and grow up to be adults who play and not worry that much about the long-term effects or are we learning that this sport is damaging in a way that we ought not be indulging? Uh, it for for children or for adults, or aren't we to, to sort of wrap the game in more protections for people, or wrap the game in more uh, more protection for people's uh, well-being uh, into their old age? Uh, ought we be trying to ameliorate uh, the, the the costs of some of these damaging? behaviors that show up. Uh, I want to start today, and we're going to have at least the first two segments, talking about 
concussions, talking about football, talking about the things that we're learning and the things that we ought to be doing. Uh, and we've got a, a, a distinguished panel of guests here. Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher is a sports neurologist at the University of Michigan Health System. Joanne Gerstner is a journalist and co-author of uh, the new book, Back in the Game, Why Concussion Doesn't Have to End Your Athletic Career. Dr. Kutcher is the other author of that book. And also joining us is Chris Nowinski, who's the co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and public policy leader with the Boston University CTE program. That is uh, the program that has done much of the, uh, the substantive research about what we're seeing with people who spend careers uh, playing football or uh, wrestling or uh, other sports that bring you into this, this kind of contact. And so uh, Chris, Jeffrey, and Joanne, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, uh, Jeff and Joanne. I'm going to start with. Let's start with your book, which uh, uh, came out recently. Uh, talk about the thesis of the book. Talk about uh, the the sort of research that you guys uh, did to put this book together, and what message you want people to take away. Well, Stephen. First thing, let me just uh, a little correction. I'm no longer at the University of Michigan. I've oh, not been since January. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm the national director of the Sports Neurology Clinic, headquartered here in in Brighton, Michigan, in Southeast Michigan. Okay. Um, just a little correction there. So, uh, you know, this book is is really the uh, evolution of of what we have been, what I've been um, seeing in my clinic, uh, doing research on, taking care of patients for over a decade in this space in athlete brain health. Uh, this book is not a, a uh, football apologist book. We do not say that, that sports like football are not dangerous and do not cause problems. This is a book of perspective. It's a book of critical thought. And it's one that tries to put everything together, stepping away from the hype, stepping away from a lot of the oversimplification that we've seen in the media um, and with people repeating the same thing over and over again without understanding the problem. So we're trying to provide to parents, to patients, to coaches, uh, a, a deeper perspective that is holistic, that looks at every aspect of the issue and doesn't just take a very simple, um, oversimplified message and amplify it um, to, I think, is, is sometimes a detriment. Yeah. Uh, Joanne, go ahead. And coming from my perspective as a journalist, I talk to people in the community that are struggling with the exact question that you're talking about. Is it safe to let my son or my daughter to play sports? And it's a very complex, nuanced issue in that you need to step back get educated, understand what concussions are, what the overall messaging that is out there about concussions, and then understand there are values as a child to playing sports, the togetherness, the learning of competition, the formation of self that go way beyond just, hey, I'm going to play football and hopefully get to the NFL, which we know most people will never get to. Sure, sure. Uh, and and what message, if, if you could boil it down to a single message, do you want people to take away from this book, which is called Back in the Game, Why Concussion Doesn't Have to End Your Athletic Career? I think the overall message is give the brain the respect it's due, which is to say it's a complex organ. Uh, it needs to be thought of in that manner. And if you are seeking care uh, or advice about decisions, um, you need to go to people and, and, and get advice that comes from foundation of, of science and neurology and understanding the brain and not from a foundation of hysteria. Well, uh, and you use that word hysteria. Do you, do you think... Uh, that applies to, to the conversation that we've been having nationally about 
uh, concussions, sports concussions? I would think to, to a certain degree. I mean, it might be a little strong of a word overall, but there are times definitely when that, that word comes into play. Uh, I, there, there is certainly, like I said, oversimplification. Give me an example of that, though. Sure. Uh, so you, you hear from parents all the time, um, you know, my, my kid had a concussion. I don't want them to get a second one because then they will be X. They will be changed forever. Or just the idea that a concussion itself is something that lasts forever. Um, that shows really a, a misunderstanding of what concussion is versus uh, what some of the long-term damages are from repetitive hits over time. The, the oversimplification of the message has left people with a very clear uh, concept in their head that sports equals brain damage. Uh, and that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes it is. And if we have the right people in place who are looking at these athletes and caring for them, and that's the key thing I want to point out. If we have physicians and clinicians who are caring for athletes in real time as they play their sports careers, that's a completely different conversation than saying, look, I'm going to play football and therefore I'm going to be, you know, demented at the end of my life and I'm going to have all these problems. Um, so that's what I mean by the hysteria of really just kind of kind of thinking that, that everything is going to be doom and gloom uh, without, you know, thinking about what actually is going on. Yeah. Uh, let's bring Chris Nowinski, co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and public policy leader with the Boston University CTE program into the conversation. Uh, Chris, first, uh, I, I want to hear you respond to the things that uh, Jeffrey and Joanne have, have, have talked about so far. But, but then I also want to hear about... Uh, you have a very moving personal story uh, the, as a former uh, athlete. Uh, this affects you really, really directly. Sure. Well, if, if um, you know, it's, a, it's important to, to educate the public and to make sure that they have uh, a good understanding of, of what we know right now about the nature of concussions and the nature of repetitive brain trauma. And if parents are hearing the message that one concussion is going to cause CTE or one concussion is the end of the world, then yes, then this, this, uh, this message is very critical to say concussions are not the end, you know, a single concussion is not the end of the world or two concussions is not going to destroy your life. And it's hard to have this conversation publicly because we're sort of dealing with two different enemies here. One is post-concussion syndrome or the consequences of multiple concussions, and one is this degenerative brain disease. Uh -huh. Only a handful of contact sports are really a risk factor for CTE. I don't think if you play, if you're a cross-country runner, you're doing track, uh, that, th that this is going to be a problem for you. So we absolutely want to keep encouraging families to play sports. Um, but I do believe that with what we've seen now, looking at over 300 brains of former athletes, that we want to steer, especially children, away from sports that involve repetitive brain trauma or change those sports because we are seeing pretty clearly, especially in our football population where we have the most brains, that your risk of having the disease does appear to be correlated with the, num uh, your risk, uh, with the number of years you play, not unlike your risk of getting lung cancer is best correlated with uh, the number of years you smoke and the number of cigarettes you smoke. Right. Um, so that, that message does need to get out to families that we have to be smart about the decisions that we make. Dr. Kutcher mentioned if you have a doctor on the sideline, um, that you're in a much better position, which is absolutely true. And then we have to face the reality of, well, we don't provide doctors to children on the sideline, and, and not even in every high school. And this is something that, you know, to the second part of your question, is this is something that, yes, I've, I've dealt with and I, I still deal with. I, I had a, a 
you know, I played football, soccer through eighth grade, football for eight years through uh, ending at, at Harvard, and then uh, joined the WWE, had to retire in 2003 due to post-concussion syndrome because I got a bad concussion in the ring, and I ignored it uh, and lied about it and kept wrestling for five weeks, and it turned into a sort of ongoing, uh, still some headache issues today and other problems. Uh, and then I have to now face the, the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm certainly at risk and I cannot quantify it, but some, some non-zero risk of, of having CTE and what that will bring in the future. And I just actually participated in a panel discussion after watching Requiem for a Running Back in Atlanta uh-huh. and hadn't seen it yet. And uh, I think you're absolutely right that it really does shake you to the, the thought that we don't always talk about, we think CT just affects you, but really that movie shows how much it affects your family and your children. And that's a story that we hear, you know, over and over uh, when we talk to families and interview them after, you know, when we're studying their, the, their father's brain of um, just how difficult it is to be a child of somebody who has, you know, CT symptoms. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I'm wondering, what was it about your own behavior or experience that led you to sort of uh, uh, start thinking about uh, whether you might be uh, whether you might be somebody who's who's suffering from from CT and we should be clear you don't know for sure I mean there's no way to diagnose this uh, at least not yet without uh, examining your brain which requires you to not be living uh, anymore so so you we can't say who has it or who doesn't, uh, but but uh, talk about the things that changed in your life uh, or that you saw change with your behavior that led you to this this sort of space. Well, you know, I can't necessarily say that there's anything personal uh, about my behavior that would make me assume CT because I'm I'm in that sort of uh, difficult belt of being in, I'm 37 years old. Anything that I'm dealing with now could still be the result of the concussions and the mishandled concussions that I had years ago. I wouldn't say that I have any pro- progressive issues that make me overwhelmingly concerned that, that you know, I'm suddenly experiencing cognitive issues or, or depression or uh, often, you know, aggression or impulse control, which, which we frequently see in the histories of, of people with CT. So, so I'm, that's why I can remain hopeful that it's, it's just post-concussion syndrome and I can keep trying to attack that with yeah. good medical care. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the kind of things that Dr. Kutcher's provided for a lot of athletes um, that you know, have, have been profiled in, some, in places like Players' Tribune. Um, so there's still hope for me on that respect. But there's also, unfortunately, you know, some, some uh, anatomical findings from, from imaging that would make me suspect, like, oh, that's, I don't want to have that. Um, it doesn't mean I have CT, but it doesn't mean, you know, it, it's certainly something that, uh, you know, most people don't deal with. Yeah. So I have some, some findings that make me concerned. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher. He's a sports neurologist at the Core Institute in Brighton, Michigan, former sports neurologist for the University of Michigan Health System. Uh, Joanne Gerstner is a journalist and co-author with Dr. Jeffrey, Kuth, uh, Def- Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher of Back in the Game, Why Concussion Doesn't Have to End. 
your athletic career. Uh, I've also got Chris Nowinski with us today, co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and public policy leader with the Boston University CTE program. We are talking about sports and concussions, football in particular, uh, my my favorite sport really to watch uh, on television or go see live. Uh, that that tension that now exists between the fandom uh, that I have for football and the knowledge that I'm gaining about uh, what the long-term consequences might be for people who play that game. Uh, Saw a film uh, in the spring called Requiem for a Running Back about uh, the long-term effects of uh, concussions, repeated concussions or repeated head blows uh, that really changed the way that I'm processing uh, the, the, the information about sports and concussions and the way I feel about uh, the teams I care the deepest about. If you want to join the conversation, talk about sports, concussions, do you let your kids play uh, football? And, and if you do, what do you do about uh, the, the, the sort of inevitable, I think, uh, uh, eventuality of them having a concussion? Is it a reason that you don't let your kids play football uh, or other contact sports? 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, Dr. Kutcher, I wanna, uh, the book has really specific advice for people about how to manage uh, this issue, right? If, you, if you're playing sports and you get a concussion, here are some things you can do that, uh, that are short of ending your athletic career but will help you sort of uh, manage uh, uh, long-term effects or prevent long-term effects. Talk about, talk about how you sort of put all that stuff together. Uh, sure, Stephen. So, I mean, the first thing is to note that you, you've referenced and, and, and Chris referenced too a lot of stories that we hear about individuals and, and bad cases that derive this emotional response to this injury. We need to step away from that a little bit and, and, and really concentrate on the medicine part of it. Like, like you said, how do you, how do you actually deal with these injuries? Because I can tell you, doing this every day of my life uh, for over 10 years now, there are more people that come to my clinic who aren't going to have long-term problems that will uh, once they get the right treatment. So, you know, the first advice I would say is do not accept a simple protocol as, as the, the best advice. Somebody who tells you, oh, just sit, d- don't go to school for a week, sit out for a week, um, don't do anything, uh, or you'll be back playing in two weeks at this game. Uh, that shows a lack of respect for the brain and, and individuality of each, each person and how the injury affects each person differently. So the thought process has to be one that's critical, looking at the individual, the things that are different about that individual, and, and using that to help guide the process. So there is a, there's, for concussion, for example, there is a role for rest, uh, which, is, which is critical, but I think overplayed, overused, and to the detriment of people, if you rest them too much, they can become symptomatic and can end with post-concussion syndrome more easily. So managing that patient in real time is what we, what we ask people to do. So you know, I think it's just about getting the right advice from people who can, who can look at everything from, from every possible angle. And, and help you out. Yeah, but if I if I have a kid playing uh, Pop Warner football or or, or st- some other not school affiliated program, um, uh, and, and maybe even some school affiliated programs, I mean, how how rich is the sort of knowledge uh, in the in the sort of sports environment about how to deal with these things, and how 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 many places have enough resources? Uh, to be able to manage what you're talking about? Well, the first thing is it's all over the map, right? Some, some programs have great resources in education. Others have none. 
Um, and the good news is I see the needle moving in a positive direction, but it takes a lot of work and, um, you know, a lot of colleagues of mine and, and folks like Mr. Nowinski have gone out and, and, and raised awareness and education. But I think if I'm a parent, if I'm advising a parent about, hey, should my kid play football, you need to do your due diligence and, and talk to the coaches, talk to the administrators of the program, understand where, they're, where they are at, at this, on this issue. Um, and it's not about just, oh, you know, did we do a, a education module online about concussion? No, actually, you know, what, what, what's your plan? Like, if you have a kid who, who may be injured, what are you going to do? Uh, who in the community can see this, this, this child and, and help them recover in the best possible way? Really be proactive about it. And I think those things can make, have made the sport safer for sure. All sports, not just football. Um, and we can continue to do that by being very focused on how we provide care and what kind of care we're providing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk about the, um, uh, the, the the journalism environment around this, Joanne, uh, the, the writing about concussions, the media uh, that we see in other places. The movie Concussion, uh, I think, uh, was another example of uh, sort of how this conversation is sort of seeping into uh, our, our cultural narrative. Um, also, uh, of course, uh, Requiem for a Running Back and, and this, this discussion uh, in, in journal articles uh, and, and popular media that, that talk about uh, some of the things that they, they think we ought to be doing. Do you, th- do you feel like uh, uh, that, that media coverage is, is balanced and telling the, the, the right stories? No, I don't. And it really pains me both as a professor of journalism at Michigan State teaching sports journalism and also a practicing journalist that I see things on a daily basis that concern me because they're not grounded in fact. Uh, They're not grounded in going to the right sources to talk to people that understand the injury. But on the other side, I'm also respectful that as a journalist, it is challenging to sometimes get the right medical professionals to give us the information we need because of privacy concerns and things like that. And athletes have become more sophisticated in that they understand that there is almost a scarlet letter attached with having a concussion. So they might tell you something else is going on when it's not. And the bottom line is this. This is a neurological injury. I'm not a doctor. And I'm usually a sports writer on a tight deadline. And as you know, our our space is getting cut. We want to reduce things to a tweet or quick soundbite both for expediency and also how people are consuming news. So all of that can lend to not the most sophisticated or the strongest discussion about concussion, which can be very nuanced. And I just want to add one thing. Having the whole conversation a lot of times just focused on football is also problematic in that, you know, girls can get concussions, soccer, diving, gymnastics, or other sports. So I've actually talked to parents that have said to me, I'm so glad I, my, I have a daughter, she can't get a concussion because she doesn't play football. Well, <laughs> you ever heard of cheerleading? There's other sure. sports that can lead to brain injuries. And because we focus so much on football, and it's understandable, it's the largest sport in this country, and it drives, you know, it owns three days of the week, um, we're kind of forgetting other parts of the population that may need to be covered as much as the other things. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, the, part of the reason that football gets the attention is because of the nature of the sport, too. I mean, cheerleading or soccer uh, or baseball uh, are not sports that sort of are convened around the idea of these these really high-impact collisions. Uh, uh, the, the, the very purpose of football is to run into the other players. 
uh, knock them over or, or prevent them from from knocking through you. And and so I mean, and as you point out, it's the biggest sport uh, in in the country, and and it makes a lot of money <laughs> at both the pro and the college level. You know, what about that that talk about what the changes to the game could be? Do you feel like that has reached? Uh, uh, a sufficiently sophisticated level. Well, we we have made changes to the game. We meaning you know at different levels. I mean, they obviously they've changed uh, punt returns, kickoffs, things like that. And I've even read some people that talk about that maybe um, the whole concept of kick returns could be eliminated from football because obviously if you run down the field for eighty yards and then run into somebody, you've got a nice head of steam. Also, uh, you know, I think. You know, it, I think the willingness, like baseball, changed the collision at the plate rule. So there are things that are happening to try to protect athletes, um, whether it's enough, whether it's fast enough, and whether you can get the coaches and maybe some of the more old school diehards to buy in. Those are all separate arguments. But at least we're looking at the rules of our game, seeing how we can make it um, more accessible to change. Uh, soccer, uh, USA Soccer changed in that you can't do headers if you're under 14. That happened last fall, and that was a huge development because headers are pretty much done around the world still, but we're taking an active stance here in the U.S. not to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about concussions and sports. Uh, Get with us on the phones here, 313-577-1019. Should sports like football fade away in America in favor of less violent sports? Uh, Do you know anyone who has had serious damage? Uh, to their brain or to their head because of sports. Uh, what do you do when your kid wants to play sports like football? Do you let them play? Do you say, oh, that's not such a great idea? 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Music. News. Community. Culture. Local. Global. Detroit. This is 1019 WDET. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. WDET is your source for thoughtful, independent journalism and conversations that matter to our lives and community conversations like those that we have here on Detroit Today. We need you to help keep it that way with your gift of support now at WDET.org. The drive ends the moment we reach our $281,000 goal. And we are not interrupting program programming this time. We're not interrupting Detroit Today or Morning Edition or the other programs that you listen to on this station to raise money. We are just asking you to reach out and either renew your support or donate for the first time. Go to WDET.org to make your contribution. Uh, My guests are Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher. He's uh, a sports neurologist with uh, the Core Institute in Brighton, Michigan. Used to be sports neurologist at the University of Michigan. Uh, Joanne Gerstner is a journalist and co-author with Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher of Back in the Game, Why Concussion Doesn't Have to End Your Athletic Career. Uh, I'm also joined by Chris Nowinski. He's a co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and public policy leader with the Boston University CTE program. We are talking about concussions and sports. Football in particular is my interest there. Uh, It's the sport that I pay the most attention to. It's the sport that 
uh, I watch on television. It's the sport that I attend live more frequently than uh, any other. Uh, what should we be doing uh, about the knowledge that we're gaining, about uh, the long-term effects of running into another human being at high speeds? Uh, what, are, what should we be doing about safety to, to, to deal with people who do get concussions uh, during sport? Uh, the book, authored by Dr. Kutcher and Joanne Gerstner, suggests ways that you can continue to play sports even after concussion. Uh, is that how you feel about uh, uh, your kids uh, playing sports? Uh, are you fine with them getting concussions? You just want to make sure they're taken care of afterward? Or do you tell them, look, we're not going to play these kind of contact sports anymore because of the danger? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, Chris, you have been advocating for athletes to donate their brains. Uh, if, if CTE is suspected, we are seeing more athletes do that uh, is that the pathway to to, to really uh, I guess getting a better grasp uh, on what's going on here and even more important how we prevent it uh, absolutely I mean the, the reality is we still can't diagnose CTE in living people with strong accuracy and so we the only way we can really understand what all this brain trauma has done is to look at the brain post-mortem and you know with the volume that we now have, you know, I can tell you that even with football, we can perform all sorts of interesting statistical analyses of risk factors for the disease, which we have a publication uh, that's just been submitted that will be very exciting to say, you know, what's really, you know, what are the risk factors for CT among football players? We, it, the reality, but we're not going to get that window into other sports as well until we have more brains donated. We're also starting some genetic uh, research because we have, again, so many brains with where their primary exposure was one sport that we can figure things out. So we do encourage people to continue to uh, donate their brain. I reach out, do outreach with uh, living athletes to have them pledge to keep the awareness of this work um, top of mind. So the people like Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's unfortunately dealing with post-concussion syndrome, now pledged his brain earlier this year, people like Brandy Chastain. Um, but bra yeah, brain donation still is the, the bedrock upon which we're, we're building our CT knowledge. Yeah. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., of course, uh, a driver for NASCAR, uh, another, another sport where uh, the potential, I would imagine, for concussion is, is, is pretty high. Uh, and, and, and again, uh, to, to, to Joanne and Dr. Kutcher's uh, point, uh, not football. I mean, uh, there are other sports that, that pose these risks, and it's well worth talking about uh, what we might do in those contexts as well. Let's go to the phones here. Deborah in Wisconsin. Deborah, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Hi. Uh, my comment is um, I have lost my son to suicide and CTE, and he never played sports past high school. Um, if I had known what I know now today, I would have never let my son play. And if doctors and experts want to be transparent and proactive, they need to first admit how exposure to repetitive hits are damaging children's brains because every hit counts and the brain sloshes inside the skull. You, you can't take the head out of the game since it's attached to the body. Now there's been changes made to soccer and hockey and they need to, they need to switch these kids to flag football. There's just too much brain damage going on. 
um, you need to save save your brain. Yeah, De- save your child's brain. Deborah, from permanent damage. Deborah, I hope you don't mind me asking a couple questions about your son. Um, what were were there signs before? Uh, that that there was some lingering effect of of head trauma with with your son. Uh, we started to notice it um, after a year or two after high school, and but we had no clue that this was from the brain damage. We had no idea it was a CTE until after he died. Uh-huh. We had his brain sent to Concussion Legacy Foundation. Uh-huh. And he only and he only played in 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 those uh, up to the, up to the high school level. Yeah, from youth football up to high school, and he did play other sports too. But okay. the repetitive hits in football is what is what's causing damage. There can be other you know sports that have sure you know some damage too, but. It's all the repetitive hits that they're exposed to. Yeah, uh, Deborah, the hit uh, on every play. Right, Deborah. Thank you very much uh, uh, for that call, Doctor Kutcher and uh, Joanne Gerstner. Deborah sounds very much like she's in the space that that I'm in 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 some ways. Certainly with my kid, uh, I you know how can you make football? Is there a, is there a reasonable argument that says we can make football? safe when, again, the point of football is these collisions and the, the, the rules of the game, no matter how much you change them, uh, the point, the object of the game really uh, requires this sort of, uh, this, this impact, right? And it is the impact of, of course, that, that, that causes the brain to, to sort of slap the inside of uh, the skull and, and over and over and over, even if it's in a minor sense uh it, it it apparently causes this this disease is there an argument to be made that this is just barbaric and that we can't make it safe well well Stephen, it starts and, and first deborah i know you're not on the line anymore but um you hopefully know, she's still listening very very sorry <laughs> for your loss for sure that's that's awful for any parent to go through um, but what we need to do is understand the reality of suicide and its complexity um you know we are, we are taught as physicians um, and the CDC is very clear on this point as well, that if you oversimplify the causes of suicide in any population, people that play sports, military personnel, journalists, radio personalities, advocates, if you say that group is, has a higher risk of suicide for whatever reason, uh, the suicide rate goes up in that group. Uh, it's much more complex than just saying sports cause suicide. For example, very good data lets us know that the rate of suicide in former NFL players who played five years or more in the league from the late 60s to late 80s was actually less than half of the general population. Up until 2008, that was the case. What changed in the 2008 was we started talking about it. We started making it very simple. We stopped, we stopped giving people hope. We stopped, basically, they had one way out, and we keep talking about it over and over again. I think about Todd Ewan. I don't know if you know the Todd Ewing case. M- sure. Most people don't because it's not really reported. He was an NFL enforcer who took his own life almost a year ago after suffering a lot of the same problems that, that have been associated with CTE. He was convinced he had it. He and his wife talked about it openly, that he had CTE. He took his own life. His brain was normal. What helped lead to his suicide in that case? Yeah. That's my point is we need to be more careful about how we talk about it and not propagating this idea that it's so simple that, hey, you play sports, you're going to commit suicide. 
it's a risk factor. We have to take it seriously, but you have to be treated. Seek treatment. Depression is treatable. Um, you don't want to give people no hope. Yeah. Uh, Chris Nowinski, co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and public policy leader with uh, the Boston University CTE program. Uh, w- what I heard Deborah say was that football caused the CTE in her son. I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure she was making the leap to uh, his suicide. But but as Jeff Kutcher points out, uh, that's not always uh, the eventual out- sort of outcome. Uh, but but how how strong do you know the link between football and CTE or wrestling and CTE uh, to be even short of of people who commit suicide? Sure. Yeah. No. I don't. I don't disagree with any of the the suicide discussion. I mean, there's certainly literature that says your risk of of suicide after a concussion or single traumatic brain injury is higher over the rest of your life. The CT uh, link with suicide is, is much more complex, and there isn't really strong data on that. So although you know, a number of the initial cases prior to this becoming a national discussion were, were suicide cases, but that, all, uh, that also, you know, suicide is also a leading cause of death among younger populations. So pushing that off the table, um, yeah, the, the bigger question is, you know, what's, what's the link? And, and the real question is, what's appropriate for children? So from, from our perspective, with, with what we're seeing today, and some of it, again, still to be, pub, uh, to be uh, published, is that it, it does appear that I mean, the, the link between repetitive brain trauma is, and CTE is extraordinarily strong, and that you know, there has still not been anybody ever diagnosed with CT who did not have a repetitive brain trauma history. Uh, not everyone will get it, just like only a, uh, you know, a pretty small fraction of people who smoke develop lung cancer. But if you don't, you know, we can tell you if you don't get hit in the head, uh, we're pretty confident you're never going to get CTE. Right. So the idea of exposing children to repetitive brain trauma when they're young, um, to me, now that I'm a little older and a little wiser, it seems to me like, like the worst idea we've ever come up with in sports. You know, if you think about the history of sports, and you take a, take a sociological perspective, all these sports were invented, you know, 100 years ago for people that were adults, that were 18. And then they were pushed downwards um, because it made sense, because there was suddenly prestige or money or whatever. that was good. It was important to be good at those sports. But we never really thought about the brain while we made those decisions. And so now, um, you know, now we have five-year-olds getting hit in the head hundreds of times to build a skill set that is completely not important to their future. You know, especially a sport like football is unique in the, in the aspect that those who play at the highest level will tell you, you can, it's not about building a specific skill. It's about just being an athlete. And so even, even the one position that involves any skill in my mind is a quarterback. Yeah. You know, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning didn't play until high school. So our, our, the foundation, our position is very strong. There should be no children playing tackle football before high school. There is no upside benefit, and there is only downside risk um, to banging your head hundreds of times in the fall. And so anyone listening now, I mean, if you had a kid playing at at nine years old on tackle football, I would say put them in the flag tomorrow or today Uh, just because the risk um, is, you know, and when you talk about the risk, we don't know the number for the risk, but we can tell you the outcomes are so bad, even if it's a small, small fraction, the outcomes are so bad um, of playing too much football. Like, God forbid they're good and play from 5 to age 30. 
um, you know, that, that exposure in our, in our experience is just too much to potentially avoid CT. Uh, uh, Jeff Kutcher, uh, sports neurologist. Yeah, so, you know, first thing I'd say is um, we have sort of a, a phrase in medicine, uh, a very well-known axiom that the most dangerous part of the medical team is a physician who doesn't know what they don't know. Uh, they act without understanding the complexity of the problem. Um, I think that's part of the issue here, and, uh, and I agree completely, and I've taken the stand uh, publicly and privately that, that we do need to be careful about our contact with kids and limit our contact with kids as much as possible. But to jump to the conclusion that, any, you know, that, that it's necessarily bad for everybody and there's no positive outcome to that, I think if you'd ever taken care of patients in real life, if you ever had people asking you for advice and seeing how football does actually treat some other problems in people's lives. Uh, you know, I, I've seen <laughs> too many cases of kids who actually get depressed and have problems because they were told to not play football. Um, and, and so it's not everybody, but again. But it's about risk factors, right? Right, right. I mean, right. Uh, well, but, yeah, but, but the risk factor is don't play football and you get depressed, your grades go down and you get suicidal. That, that's, that's a risk factor. Well, but aren't there other sports that... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean yeah. Are you saying that the only thing that's going to make this child happy is playing tackle football when they're 10. Two things, two things, I, Chris. I, I, so we so challenge parents. We say, listen, if you think football is the greatest sport in the world, if you're trying to teach them character, if you're trying to teach them skill, if you're trying to have them build friendships, you can find a way to do that there other ways without do exposing it. them to hundreds of hits to the head. Uh, so that's, again, you know, I'll, I don't want to sound repetitive, but that, that's an oversimplification of, of the problem. And I think in a lot, in a lot of kids' cases, uh, the physicality of the collisions, the actual part of being physical and sometimes inflicting pain and feeling pain is indeed something they need. Um, yeah, that's, I, that's I, I think you've said that before on the program, and I think I pushed back then that, that I just think that, that well, pushes like, us into... You can like still I said, find that without head hits to try amateur wrestling, try a, you know, a million other sports. Well, the other, the other thing, uh, Mr. Nowinski, that I've seen in, in the last 10 years is, and we, and we have a, a youth football study in Brighton High School, or in Brighton High, and the youth football program in Brighton where we're looking at uh, you know, forces in the youth program, the amount of times they hit in their youth program uh, versus high school. And I can tell you, there's not a lot of hitting going on in this, in this program that we're dealing with. And you see that more and more. Uh, we, we cover a Division they're One. Not, they're, they're not hitting. Absolutely. We're, we're covering a Division One program that had three contact days this entire summer. The youth program we deal with hasn't hit really outside of a game at all in practice. They're teaching technique. Um, the, the, the landscape is changing. And to, to ignore that, and to just say, look, football's evil, don't play. You're thinking about football 10 years ago. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But look at it today and look what's going on in the communities with the teams uh, and use that as a decision-making process. I think that's a, that's a much better and holistic approach than, than just jumping to conclusions. Sure, but, the, but, the, but it's also a, a big leap to say the predictive power of, well, yeah, they hit a ton 10 years ago, but now they're only hitting half as much. Right, that is to say that that's going to make their risk lower is a dramatic leap. You know, we it's don't the same know. thing with saying that we added filters to cigarettes and we lowered the tar content. And look, smoking is now safe. The reality is, no, it's not. It, you know, this is this is the safest time ever to smoke. Cigarettes have never been safer, but we still don't advocate it for children. <clears throat> right. Uh, all right. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about concussions uh, and sports. And stay with us on the phones. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. Ed in uh, Leonard, Daniel in Detroit, Bill in Bloomfield Hills. We will get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today.
listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. My guests are Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher a sports, uh, at the Sports Neurologist at the Sports Neurology Clinic in Brighton. I finally got his title right here at the end of the show. <laughs> Joanne Gerstner is journalist and co-author of Back in the Game, Why Concussion Doesn't Have to End Your Athletic Career. Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher is the other author of that book. And Chris Nowinski is the co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and public policy leader with the Boston University CTE program. We're talking about sports and concussions. Uh, do you let your kids play? Do you hold your kids back uh, from sports like football because of the fear of concussions and the long-term effects? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. Let's go to Bill in Bloomfield Hills. Bill, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I have a very simplistic question. Uh-huh. If uh, you had a son or a daughter who was banging his head against the wall every day several times, would you try to stop them? Well, I think everybody's answer would be yes, of course, Bill. Well, and and you're comparing that's that. That's what happens in football. You feel like that's what football is. Of course it is. <laughs> and so, so you're... Even, even with the helmet and, you know, you have your brains inside your skull, your brain moves around no matter how much you protect your skull. And I mean, the doctors know all this, but uh, it's very simple. Why have multiple traumas to your head for no particular reason? I mean, Bill, you're 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 preaching a little to the choir here. That's that's the approach I take with my son. He does not play football uh, for the specific reason that I've spent you know the last twelve years trying to stop him from hitting his head on stuff uh, and. You know, I, I'm not going to put him in a position where the the point of the activity he's involved in is to run into other players. Bill, I I, I appreciate uh, your call and uh, your thoughts on that. Um, uh, let's talk t- uh, to Tim in Farmington Hills. Tim, welcome. Yes, my question is this, and it, it, it's out of I guess out of ignorance. It, when we're talking about a concussion, I immediately get the picture of. Two football players in their helmets, they're, they're running in opposite directions and their helmets hit, and, and they get a concussion because there's a sudden impact and the brain keeps going inside its, it, the, the skull. Sure. But what about in, in cases where uh, a, a tackle is made, and it, it, it's a forceful tackle, but there's no contact of the heads. But it's not sort of the opposite direction force. That, 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 that's correct. I and see. So well, that's a good question. Is that a potential concussion as 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 well as head contact uh that's a great question uh dr jeff kutcher yeah no i mean you're the doctor in the room (laughs) the answer is yes uh it's it's a good question tim so uh a concussion can really occur anytime the brain is is moving quickly or stops quickly so you can have a blow to the body causing whiplash type movement the brain moves quickly and that that can absolutely cause concussion yeah uh we're gonna have to thank uh, dr jeff kutcher and joanne gerstner uh, for being here they have another appointment they need to get to i, I really appreciate you guys being here great conversation we'll Anytime. have you back uh, thanks we'll continue to talk about this topic uh we've still got chris nowinski co-founder of the concussion legacy foundation and public policy leader with the boston university cte program on the line let's go to rich in wixom Rich, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Uh, my question actually involves high school and college football versus professional football, where as a pro, you make a, a decision, you're paid, and you're, you can decide to endanger your brain if that's what you should decide. When do we start talking about universities and high schools' roles 
in doing no harm to their students? And when do we start thinking about whether or not this is a valuable exercise for the men and women they're supposed to be preparing for the world? Yeah, uh, uh, that is a great question, uh, Rich, and I think it is a big part of uh, the discussion that's going on about uh, these issues, Chris Nowinski, what, what what do you say? I mean, you said earlier you don't think kids should be playing f- uh, contact football uh, before high school. What about when they are in high school and in college? What's the obligation of these institutions to think about these issues? No, it's a it's a great philosophical question, and and I'll you know, I'll try to be relatively brief, but I agree that you know the college situation, elite, you know, it's good that they're eighteen, and in theory they they have informed consent. It's bad that they're not being compensated for the long term care we know they will definitely have, and they're not being paid. They're you know everyone around them is making an unbelievable amount of money, and they're not even going to be cared for the CTE. We know that some percentage of them is going to be getting. And that is com- totally inappropriate and unfair. The high school discussion is is d- completely different. You know, you, you're right that it, it, you, the school, you know, our public education system exists to put things into their brain, <laughs> make them learn things, and should it also be involved in um, something you know, that might damage that, their that will lead to brain damage yeah. or brain disease for some of them? Yeah. Um, and the other part of that is, you know, uh, I'm an advisor of the NFL Player Association, as is Dr. Kutcher. They, they have a union and their own advisors to negotiate the safety of their game for which they get paid. Sure. You know, high school players don't have that voice. Therefore, College high school practices are, are far more dangerous than professional practices. So, I, you know, I, I'm not anti-high school football at this point, but I do think we, we need to give those athletes far more protections. Yeah. Uh, Daniel in Detroit, uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning. Hey, Thanks for you? having me. Sure. Yeah, so my thoughts were um, much along the same lines that if we're, we want to be brain positive in, you know, colleges and high schools, then we should be playing brain positive sorts of sports. Uh, and there's no sport that's intrinsically, you know, um, perfect that we just have to have forever. You know, people in different places, different countries play different sports based on you know, culture and what they grew up with. And so why would we want to play something in a university in particular that's brain negative um so just that idea of of supporting uh you know some sport that's gonna hurt um hurt more than it's gonna help my kids um my kids know that they're not gonna play any football ever because we talk about how important their brain is we talk about you know not running into things they actually play soccer but um but they've never been allowed to hit the ball before the rules came out we said you don't need to head the ball. Um, there's no reason <laughs> you need to do that. Not, Early on, when you get older, you can make that decision. But yeah. but even with that, I have some reservation, because even if we put our kids in flag football, what are we leading them to? There's no professional football league. Right. There's no, right. um, uh, you know, uh, Daniel, Daniel, football. thanks very much so. uh, for your call. I want to thank Chris Nowinski, co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and public policy leader with the Boston University CTE program. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. It was fun, Stephen. Thanks. Yep. Uh, that's it for me. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. I'll see you tomorrow.